Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Finally made it onto the program. Coming to you live, as always, from the offices of Lives in the Balance. Well, not always. But it's time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. I am joined on the program by, I believe, Jennifer and Kim. Is that who we've got on Good the morning, call? Good morning, Dr. Tomorrow? Green. <laughs> Hello. This is Jennifer. Hello. How are you both? I don't know if Stella's going to be joining us today or not, but we have a ton of email to get through that has come in since the last program. Um, But, Jennifer, I know that you had a theme you wanted to start with today, maybe Kim (laughs) as well, so why don't we start there and get this show on the road. I believe that Stella is traveling today, so I don't think that she'll be joining us too bad. Got it. We miss her when she's not here. Um, But, yes, I had mentioned to Kim that I felt like, especially at this time of year, It's kind of important to remember that CPS applies to everybody and that parents do well if they can, too. (laughs) Um, We had a very uh, contentious weekend on the B team, uh, which Mm. is the parent Facebook group for Lives in the Balance. And people seem to be having a very hard time right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, and... Empathy is running short, and people forget that adults have lagging skills, too, uh, and that we need to pay attention to the signs in ourselves as much as we pay attention to the signs in our kids. Um, I talk a lot on that board about self-care. I neglected my self-care for the past couple weeks, and as a result, really lost it last night with my son. Um, Thankfully, he forgave me this morning. He reminded me that as Chicken Little says, today is a new day for anyone who (laughs) had to watch the Disney version of that movie over and over and over again as we did. And he's allowed me to move on. But sometimes I think that it's hard for us as parents to remember that we need to pay attention to those signs in ourselves that self-care is about supporting our own health and wellness and that when we don't do those things, we can't take care of the other people in our lives either. They say you can't pour from an empty bucket. My bucket was very empty last night and everyone suffered the consequences. But... Do you want to go into detail about that, or would you like to go into detail about what got contentious in the B team, or both? (laughs) Well, I think that the B team has grown by leaps and bounds. We now have, what, Kim, over 11,000 members? Yes, we do. Is that? Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So... Uh, that's a lot of, of different voices, and the, it's it's grown very quickly. And not everybody who's in it quite understands CPS yet, 
and we have some wonderful resources to help people get started uh, and to learn more. And we have some wonderful voices in there who are very supportive and want to be helpful. Uh, but it's, it's when you have 11,000 voices, it can be very difficult, especially when people are asking the same questions over and over again and not quite hearing the answers perhaps yet. Um, but, and a lot of it comes from the idea of both, that's all fine and good, but what happens to the consequences? And a lot of it comes from, but I don't understand what to do in the heat of the moment when my kid is behaving really badly and trying to kick holes in the walls and putting everyone in our house in what feels like a dangerous situation. And I actually linked an old podcast from a couple of years ago where you were talking, Dr. Green, about that very same subject, and you said... Um, Diffuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe, and choose the least bad of your bad choices. <laughs> but it's hard for people to understand that. And I think that sometimes in the moment when your kid is kicking walls and threatening the dog and spitting and biting and doing all of those things that a very dysregulated kid can do in the heat of the moment, it's very difficult to say, okay, I need to plan A this to keep everybody safe and then to be able to step back off that plan A train. We said we were calling it the express train to plan A town the other day, uh, that once you step back on it, it's very easy to just stay there even though you know it's not going to work. Got it. <laughs> and of course, um, if a kid is very dysregulated and very disinhibited and is in that mode, we sometimes need to address the disinhibition and the dysregulation yep. um, before we can solve more specific problems than that. Any other thoughts on the contentiousness in the B team? Well, we said it was this weekend was a full moon and it was a super moon. And we used to joke when I worked in a medical office that you could always tell by the phone calls when the full moon had come in because there are people that it makes a little crazy. <laughs> um, and I just think that stress is high this time of year and that the political climate raises people's stress right now, and all of the news about misconduct in right now is raising people's stress levels, and everyone's just a little tightly wound. So I found myself typing the words, be gentle with yourself and others an awful lot lately. <laughs> Plan C whatever you can when you're feeling stressed. But I think, 
too, that, and we remind our longtime B-team people that in the beginning it feels very counterintuitive to follow the steps in CPS because it's so different from what most of us have done up until that point. And it can be very hard to maintain it. So, and then once it becomes more of your way of life, it's hard to remember how difficult that was in the beginning because it makes so much sense to you once you've done it for a while that it's difficult to remember, oh, I struggled with this at the start. It didn't make sense that kids do well if they can. I didn't believe that he was having a hard time. I believed he was giving me a hard time because that's my personal mantra. He's not, having, he's not giving me a hard time. He's having a hard time. I repeat that one a lot in my head. Um, but it can be very easy to forget how hard it is to grasp that in the beginning. And we have a lot of people who are just starting out and who haven't gotten there. Yeah, and some and people, we know that um, under duress, we know that under duress, people head for plan A. People go yep. unilateral. People start imposing their will. Even people who um, <laughs> know that being collaborative works out better in the long run. It's when we get our dander up that um, <laughs> plan A makes perfect sense. Yes. Even when now, the fallout is awful. <laughs> even when the fallout is, even though um, if you ask us a little before and definitely ask <laughs> us after, if plan A is going to be a good way to go, we know the answer. <laughs> now, we have a caller, I'm delighted to ah. tell you, from area code 217. And I'm going to bring that caller on the show now because callers always take top priority. Uh, area code 217, you're on the air. What's on your mind today? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. Just yes, don't yep. tell us your name or anybody else's name or any I identifying know, information. I know, I'm not going to. It'll be <laughs> hard, but Talk. I think I can handle it. Oh. Talk to us. Good morning, first of all. This is the first time that I have called in, but I've been doing CPS for about a year now. And I have three kids, one of which is explosive. Well, not so much anymore with CPS, but my six-year-old is rather explosive. So I was calling for help because we're stuck with Plan B. On So when we Plan B really hard things for him, well, I would consider them hard for him. So he has a hard time regulating his body. So if he's really upset about something or overwhelmed, or anything like that, he'll hit or bite or pinch. So when we try to plan B it later, even when I stay away from the behavior and just talk about the instance that was happening, oh, you had a hard time with your friend when you were reading and he was sitting near you, he will completely shut down and he'll just talk to me, what I call it his own little language, in gibberish. So tell us your question. What to do? Well, I guess I've tried to then plan B the gibberish 
<laughs> and ask him, you know, when we talk, try to talk about some things, I've noticed you start talking in your own language, and I get more gibberish. So I don't know how to help him communicate better about things that are, I'm assuming are hard for him to talk about, but then again, I never want to assume because half the time I'm wrong about what his concerns really are. Um, so, so if you could guess, because he's not telling you, he's talking in gibberish, if you had to theorize, and by the way, you kind of do have to theorize if a kid is not able to communicate something to you. So let's start guessing. What, what do you think is making it hard for him? Uh, talking in gibberish, I of course, is the behavior. What do you think is making it hard for him to communicate his concerns? I think because my best guess is that he is unable to control his body, so he doesn't want to talk about it because it's really only issues that deal with him not understanding his body space that he does as gibberish. So I think it's more he understands he doesn't want to be hurting anybody. He understands he's not supposed to, but he just in the moment doesn't know how to help it maybe, but I'm not even sure. Got it. So I have a I have a theory. Um, okay. You may be... You may be trying to talk with him about his behavior instead of about the problems that are causing his behavior. And um, that often causes kids to either think they're in trouble or at the very least become defensive, and it causes many kids to simply not participate. So his gibberish may be, I'm theorizing here, of course I don't know you or him, but if you're trying to talk with him about behavior, all of the things you told us he does, then there's a pretty good chance he's not going to participate in the process. That means the ALSIP is going to come in handy. We need to make sure that we are talking with him about the um, expectations he's having difficulty meeting. All behavior is in this model is the way he's communicating that he's having difficulty meeting them. But we don't want to talk with him about his behavior. We want to talk about with, him, with him about the unsolved problem. So it's interesting. It may be that you're talking with him about unsolved problems all the other times. But in this instance, are try, uh, you're trying to talk with him about his behavior. And that may be where he is um, crapping out on you. Is that possible? <laughs> so do you think, well, I'm not sure because I might be, I have a hard time with this one wording the unsolved problem to stay away from the behavior. Because sometimes it seems like it's out of nowhere, even though I know that it's not at all. So what I, so one example let's, let's was give it a, a friend that's, say that again? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so one example of when we weren't able to have a successful plan B was he told me on his own that he was having a hard time at school because he wanted to read on the computer and he has one little friend at school, and his friend would not leave him alone, so he pinched his friend. So he just mentioned that in passing that that happened. So we didn't talk about it right then. But later when I tried to plan B it, I worded it with, oh, you know, it seemed, earlier we were talking, and it sounded like you had a hard time when you were trying to do your Alexia, and Kay wouldn't leave you alone. Can you tell me more about that? And all I got was gibberish still. Hmm. Was so that, I wording that it right? Not be I think I could have worded it differently. No, I the word is pretty, wording is pretty darn close to the mark. Um, 
I was concerned that you were saying, Tim, I've noticed that you um, pinch people when blah, 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 blah. And that oh, yeah, no, I've learned my lesson there. <laughs> Good. So then the I've only other, the only other strategy I have for you, the only other strategy I have for you is uh, fingers to teach them the five-finger method. Um, five means very true. Four means yes, pretty true. Maybe I should try that. Have you that. tried that when he's gibberishing? No. See, this is why I called. I'm like, Epiphany, I can use the five finger method and maybe it will help. I will try that next time. I didn't even try that. Also, I would also ahead, suggest, Kim. and maybe you've done this, I'm not sure, but um, reassuring him that he's not in trouble. You don't think he's a bad yep. guy. You think he's mm-hmm. doing the best he can in the moment, you know, yep. and just in case it's about. Yeah. Um, worry about being in trouble or something. Although yeah, it sounds like you have I a nice think, Yeah, I think we're past that. At first, when I first started playing yeah. it was probably like six months worth of him worrying he was going to get in trouble. I think now he kind of knows. But And then there was another time I tried and I got one sentence out of him. He was I can't even remember what he did to his sister. Somehow it did something to her. So when we planned beat it later, I noticed he had a hard time sitting on the couch with your sister. Can you tell me more about it? I think he had I think that time he had bit her or pulled her hair. And he did a lot of gibberish, but he did say, I don't know what to do Ooh. while that's happening, which was huge, I thought. But then I'm like, well, I don't know. And then he just went back to the gibberish. So I just kind of plan seed it for then. I was like, well, I got one sentence out of him, so maybe that was also good, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I can can also say that Oftentimes with my son, it can be really, if there's something that he wants to talk about, but he knows it's going to be a hard conversation and he just doesn't know how to get it started. Uh, we have, we use a lot of code words in our house and we have a code word for, I want to talk to you about this, but I just don't know how to do it. And the code word for that in our house is big wet thumb. It's not <laughs> a phrase that's ever going to come up in conversation, just in passing. Hey, have I shown you my big wet thumb? Uh, mm-hmm. But he knows that if there's something that's even sometimes he'll just say to me, hey, mom, big wet thumb. And sometimes I'll ask him a question and he'll look at me and he'll just go big wet thumb. And in that moment then I know that, yes, there's something going on, but he just, the words are not there. And then at that point, we usually will move into the five-finger method. And I'll usually get a couple things that are really silly to begin with, where he's like, oh, my God, Bob, you know that's not it. Uh, Right. So that by the time I get to the thing that I think might be going on, then if I'm right, he's, yes, it has nothing to do with why we couldn't find this or, you know. So that has given him an out. It's a way that he knows that he can communicate with me without being on the spot. Right. And it's it's almost like our five-finger introduction now. (laughs) It's like the first step in the five-finger method. Well, and yeah, because we've had luck with the five-finger method on other things, but it wasn't so, uh, like, in your face, the gibberish. It was just, I can tell he doesn't want to talk, so we'll do the five-finger method. So 
I'm going to yeah. try that, and I will call back in because I have a feeling I might have success with that. And if not, I'm going to call back in for more help. <laughs> Please <laughs> it do. doesn't work. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you guys so much, and I will call back in after we try it, and I'll let you know how it goes. Great. Great. We look forward to it. You. All right. Bye-bye. You know, gibberish can be just another way of difficulty communicating. Um, so whether it's silence or um, you name it, um, it's the kid having difficulty communicating in some way. Maybe the fingers will blow through that. Um, believe it or not, we have another caller. You ready? Huh. Great, great, sure. Here we go. Area code 917, you're on the air. What's up today? Hi, Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling with a question about therapy. Um, my son, who's eight, has been seeing the same therapist for uh, probably over, a little over a year, and we started out with her doing parent management training. Um, we have since found your method and embraced your method and no longer use star charts and rewards. Um, and punishment to get our, you know, <laughs> to Yay. parent our child. Um, my question is, we, we have tried through the um, CPS connection to find a CPS therapist, and we did find one in our area. Um, however, she works through um, an institute that requires that we do a very, very expensive um, assessment um, for an intake for the program. Um, at this point, I'm pretty versed in CPS. I was at your annual summit. Um, we've done the ALSOP. Um, I called in last last time when you weren't there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I'm just wondering, um, what benefit can a CPS therapist provide that a, a, another therapist might not, uh, should we consider uh, trying to uh, use the only CPS therapist in our area? Uh, can we make progress with, uh, with the therapist that's just working with my son on, on his emotions? What are your thoughts? Well, um, I didn't know that about the therapist in your area. I've looked up your area code, so I know your area, and I will inquire with that therapist about that require, requirement, which I was unaware of. Um, the reason to work with a CPS therapist is because they have undergone some pretty intensive training in CPS. Yes. And while CPS in some ways is a pretty simple model, the nuances of the model, the things that can go wrong when people are trying to do it, um, require some training for people to be good at. Um, and so, generally speaking, people who pet clinicians who haven't had training in CPS, um, generally speaking, and I, you know, I hate making global statements about anything, <laughs> but generally speaking, if you want CPS, you want somebody who has received um, a meaningful amount of training in CPS, just because of the nuances and because of the things that often go wrong when somebody who's not familiar with it is trying to do it. Um, mm. So maybe the individual therapist would do a smashing job of helping you all do CPS. 
um, it's just through experience in seeing people, you know, the people who go through the certification training are people who are already familiar with CPS, have already been through some training. And yet early on, they, many of them, most of them, struggle tremendously to nail down the nuances of the model and help people who are having difficulty doing it. And so for those reasons, that's why there are certified providers. Um, there are some that are not exactly in your neighborhood that you'd have to travel for. Mm -hmm. um, south and east. I don't want to give away your location, although it probably doesn't matter oh, that much. Oh, that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to say I'm in Manhattan, and it, there's shockingly few options for us. Um, I know that there's that's a correct. provider. Yeah, there's a, prov a provider I know um, in uh, South Jersey that I believe I met at the annual summit. Um, I think she was the group leader for the uh, the training yeah. that I was in. Now, that, and, that's um, not south and east. There's there's some in Long Island. Yeah, and, and also in Long Island. I know there's a couple, um, but they're a few hours away. Um, the, 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 when you work with a CPS therapist, is, is the person doing kind of what you do on your videos with Joshua and his parents, um, or is, are they meeting with the child individually? How, how does that work? Well, they're doing CPS, so CPS really isn't individual therapy. CPS, in your case, would be more family therapy. Mm -hmm. um, very hard to solve a problem. You know, it's the parent's expectation that the kid is having difficulty meeting. That's what an unsolved problem is. It's the parent who has to put their concerns on the table for us to make sure that they get addressed. It's the parent who has to um, agree that a solution is realistic and mutually satisfactory. That's not something that can be done individually with the kid. And more important than that, the goal of receiving treatment in CPS is to learn how to do it on your own so that you don't need the therapist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, those are things that aren't typically going on in individual therapy, which is just with the kid. So while an individual therapist could gather information about the kid's concern or perspective on a particular unsolved problem, the individual therapist would not be able to take the problem all the way through the solution because the kid's dance partner, the parent, is missing. Mm -hmm. and so generally I, speaking, this is not an individual therapy model. Now, um, you know, please let me know if you can't discuss this, but I've listened to the um, very helpful uh, podcast, The Explosive Child Returns, and in that, um, that original explosive child mentioned that he was traveling to see you. Um, and my question, I guess, would be, was that an individual, was that individual treatment or was that CPS that you were doing with that child? And how, you know, how, if we are traveling with, with our son, I guess I'm just, you know, what, what are the expectations for, let's say we go out to Long Island, what kind of, you know, that, that, I don't, I don't know how to ask this question, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're, I do a lot of um, one-time consultations for families just because my schedule makes it impossible for me to do ongoing treatment with more than mm, two or three families at any given point in time. So I do a lot of consultations um, and then usually try to find people to help that they're looking for often in the area where they're coming in from. Mm -hmm. um, but this is uh, the likelihood that somebody was traveling to see me for individual therapy is pretty close to slim and none. Um, okay. So that 
that may not have come through clearly, but um, individual therapy isn't something I've done that I can recollect for a very long time with anybody. This is, in in the case of a kid in a family, this is family therapy because, once again, the whole goal of treatment is to help the family get good at solving problems so that they can start to do it on their own and then they don't need the therapist anymore. And my guess is at this point in the kind of early on in the process that a Skype session with any one of these therapists would be a difficult thing to accomplish for just for my son in terms of attention. Uh, When you say attention, what do you mean? Um, Tending to what's going on uh, with the therapist. I mean, have you, have you known Skype sessions to work with families? Um, I do Skype sessions with families, but only after I've met the kid in person because I I gained so much from having met the kid. Otherwise, I'm kind of doing this rote and uh, in a somewhat (laughs) uninformed way. Um, And I'd rather not do this in a rote, uninformed way. So um, meeting the kid is crucial, I believe. Um, But after that, once I have a feel for the kid and the family, I've got to meet the parents too, then um, distance sessions can sometimes make sense. Okay. Um, You said you were going to follow up with this therapist um, in my area. Is there a way that I can check back uh, on what you have found out? Sure. Just email, go to the contact form on the Lives in a Balance website, and mm-hmm. um, that will not only prompt me to email the clinician, but also to get back to you. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thanks for calling Very helpful. in. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, by the way, we have yet another caller, but this may be the <laughs> same one from before. We're about to find out. Area code okay. 217, is that you again? Hello? Area code 217? Hello? Hello? You're on the air. Did you mean to be? Probably not. (laughs) Shall we go to some email? Sure. Sure. Here we go. This first one says, I have read both The Explosive Child and Lost at School, currently reading Lost and Found. We have been trying to do CPS for about one month on several issues, the top one being, top ones being, loss of interest in school and personal hygiene. First, we always hit the I don't know roadblock. I'm continuing to drill to get his point. I give my concerns and we collaboratively come up with a solution, but it does not stick, so we start again. Uh, what are we doing wrong? Help, in capital letters. <laughs> I'll let you both take a stab in that, at that one because I've been talking too much today. Kim, want to take a stab <laughs> at it? Sure. Um, the first thought that came to mind was um, when I wrote down the unsolved problems that were mentioned, loss of interest in school and personal hygiene. Uh, I would just want to make sure, and, and um, it's too bad we don't have the person live, but I would want to make sure um, about how the unsolved problems are being worded to start off step one of the CPS conversation, um, because loss of interest in school feels to me like that um, could be a little bit of an adult theory, of course, probably rooted in some observation, but also quite clumped and not specific. Mm-hmm. 
And so sometimes when unsolved problems are not specific or they're clumped together, um, that lands us in, I don't know, shoulder shrugging land. Um, and the same with personal hygiene, that could be quite clumped and I'd wanna know what specific expectations is a child having trouble meeting. Um, I also know that um, you know there are some unsolved problems that are trickier than others to talk about and hygiene tends to be one of those. And so um, really coupling that conversation with um, you know, some, some gentleness, some reassurance that this isn't plan A, that there's no judgment being made here, um, that we're partners in this, and that um, the more information you can provide to me, the better help I can be to you kind of thing uh, might be important. So, um, so I wonder if, because of the wording of the unsolved problems might not be specific and unclumped, then the drilling is not able to get at the kid's concern um, and so solutions are being arrived at prior to actually understanding the kid's viewpoint, and so they're they're falling flat in that respect potentially. That was mm-hmm. my initial thought, anyway. <laughs> but I immediately thought mm, that sounds very clumped as well. <laughs> uh, one of the 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 things that struck me so much, Dr. Greenett. Last, not the last summit that happened, but the one before in the afternoon session when you were talking with the parents and we were talking about how to phrase your unsolved problem, you were saying to us that you have to be really specific. And I thought we were being specific until I heard your description of what specific sounded like. Uh, because it was, you know, it wasn't, uh, you seem to be having trouble getting off the computer at bedtime. It was last night you seemed to have difficulty when it was time for bed, but last night, uh, because, and what you said to us that day was it might look like the same problem to us day after day after day but it might not be the same reason. So if you ask about last night, then you can get an answer about what was going on last night. If you ask about last night and the night before and the night before, they could be three different reasons. So the I don't know that you get is true because you don't, the kid doesn't know what it, which thing you're looking for and probably can't say, well, last night I did this, and the night before it was this, and the night before it was that. And you said to us that you can always clump back together later. Oh, okay. You weren't done with your game, and you were afraid your friend would get mad at you if you got off the computer right then. Is that the same thing that was happening on Tuesday night as well? And the kid might say yes, in which case you can solve them together. But the kid might say no, in which case you say, all right, well, we'll talk about the other night at a different time. Let's just finish talking about this. And that the need to be really specific about your question is something that I think people don't, don't get right away but the more specific you can be, the better chance there is that you'll get information back. 
Well, now what you both are now proving is that you don't need me on this program anymore. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. But here's here's what the question is proving. Mushy, here's the here's the expression from the CPS territories. Mushy unsolved problems lead to mushy solutions. So, Mom, who wrote this email, um, if you don't word your unsolved problems in a very specific way, and there's, by the way, there's a um, in the walking tour on the Lives in the Balance website, if you go to the second section, and this is in the parents and families section, the first thing you're going to stumble across is the walking tour. Um, there's a se- the second section is all about how to identify lagging skills and unsolved problems, and there's a 45-minute audio program on there about how to do it. Um, and it's going to help you write your unsolved problems in a way that's very specific um, so that you're actually talking about something very specific so that you're not hitting the roadblock of I don't know. But if you're hitting the roadblock of I don't know, that five-finger method that we talked about with an earlier caller could help you. I mean, writing a good unsolved problem is really crucial. But if you write a good unsolved problem and you still hit the I don't know roadblock, um, and by the way, writing a good unsolved problem is a very good way to, get to, to not have the I don't know roadblock, but if you still run into it, then the five-finger method is not a bad way to go as well. So if you listen to the earlier part of the program, you'll hear about that. But here's what I would say. Don't plunge forward into solutions until you got the information that you need in the empathy step. The solution can't address the kids' concerns, and therefore the solution is not going to be mutually satisfactory, and therefore the solution is not going to work. And so hang out in the empathy step until you get the information you're looking for, but write a good unsolved problem before you get there so that you have a fighting chance of getting past the I don't know roadblock. Five fingers is there if you still run into it anyways. Good? Good. Good. Great. Thank you. Go. Let's go to another. Let me just check to see if we have another caller. We do not. We do. Uh, so we're going to go now to area code 501, with just with the caveat that we only have seven minutes left in the program. Area code 501, what's on your mind today? Hi there. Can you hear me okay? We can hear yeah, you yeah. just fine. Okay. Well, actually, the question you just answered was very similar to mine in terms of similar issues, but um, really, I've been trying to follow this model for almost the entire year and not making any progress, and where I'm getting stuck is honestly, um, I can't get past my son past any, I can't get any communication from my son. Um, so if I try to frame any kind of question, like I love this, like I could have said the very same thing. Last night I noticed you had difficulty starting your home, starting your homework. In fact, he has stopped doing any homework at all. He'll say he's going to start it later, 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 and then he falls asleep. Um, but if I push... If I ask or make that statement, I will just simply get shut up. And if I go further, it could it can go into aggression. 
So I'm wondering if you have any advice for how I can even begin getting some feedback back from my son. Um, what's the unsolved problem again? Oh, there are many of them, but many, no, but many. The but one let's that say right now, mentioned. homework, homework refusal. Okay. Got it. So homework, difficulty completing homework would be clumped. So you want to make it more specific. Right. And that really is the first place to start because um, a lot of kids get very frustrated if you throw a clumped unsolved problem at them. Okay. That might not be all there is to it given the severity of his reaction. Um, but the first place to start is with a well-worded unsolved problem. So that might sound like mm -hmm. difficulty completing the double-digit division problems on the math worksheet for homework. Now that's very specific, right? So what, so that, yeah, so what would I, sorry. Go ahead. If I say last night you had, I noticed you weren't able to get started on your English paragraph, even though you said you would, I mean. I'd leave some <laughs> of that out. Okay. <laughs> See, I really need help. I, I think you can get rid of the even though you said it would because it adds no value and, in fact, okay. actually could be inflaming, right? That, that gotcha. could inflame him, right? So that okay. could be something. And you don't want to refer just to what happened last night or Sunday night. Um, okay. If he's having because that will be a one-timer, and you really want to go with more chronic unsolved problems. So if he's having difficulty writing paragraphs in English in general, I'd go with that. I've noticed you've been having difficulty having, uh, writing the paragraphs on your English homework. What's up? So you want to keep out anything that is inflammatory, right? Anything that's judgmental, mm -hmm. anything that uh, all you're interested in in the empathy step is info, right? And if you spice it up with, um, how shall I put this, things that may flow from your emotional reaction to the fact that he wasn't getting it done, then he may feed off of that emotion and you'll get emotion back. Okay. So keep it neutral. Just the expectation he's having difficulty meeting. So that's the first place to start. And now, I, originally, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that it was your wording that was potentially precipitating his over-the-top response. But now I would give that a little bit more credence. It might be how you're wording it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, the fact that it's specific. So, so, so first of all, if you're adding things that could potentially inflame him, that could do it. If it's not specific enough, that could do it. If he's having trouble putting his thoughts into words, that could do it, and the five-finger methodology could help you there. Um, here's what I would probably suggest. Let's have you do those three things differently, and then call us on our next program and let us know how it went. Okay. <laughs> Unless Kim or Jennifer <laughs> have other things they want to... Um, throw in there the, as the other possibilities. Other, yeah, the only other thing I would say is, and I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a broken record today, but um, I often describe the negative effects that Plan A in the past leaves as a mountain that you really have to surmount, you know. Just And yes. I think it's great that you've been trying and changing your lenses, and it doesn't necessarily mean that he 
believes you yet and and <laughs> it can take a little bit of you know so how much does he know that you're trying something different and that you're not going to be great at it at first but at least you're thinking about him differently and you know it's occurred to me that maybe you're doing the best you can in the moment with what you've got and I want to use myself differently to help you and so doing some of that as well just to make sure that you're not getting some sort of you know, past plan A reaction that he's just well defended and guarded because he thinks that this is super nice plan A coming his way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I was going to say almost the same thing, Kim, um, that a lot of times if you don't have, I refer to it as your kid's buy-in, if they haven't bought into collaborating with you, and then that's going to that's going to be make it that much harder and if they don't trust it if they don't understand what you're doing um my son refers to it as the concerns thing he doesn't call Mm -hmm. it plan b the concerns thing (laughs) oh we're doing the concerns thing oh good um but we actually had a conversation where i explained to him sort of the very basic ideas of how the conversation would go and why we were doing it differently. And that really helped him buy into it uh, because before that he was just mistrustful. Why would I bother telling you what I think when you're just going to do what you want to anyway? And until we got past that, we didn't have success. Once he understood, things got a lot easier. But that took actually you know, having a con- having a plan B conversation about plan B. That's interesting. That, and my son is 12 or 12 and a half. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I yeah, think he was, he was 10 when we had that conversation. So that okay. might help you too. That's a great idea. Um, I've tried to introduce it a little bit to him, but usually I don't get very many words out of my mouth before I'm, to be quiet and go away. The fingers could help you. We'll find out. You are welcome okay. to call Thank in any time. That, that's probably the best we can do for you today because we're knocking out the three highest potential candidates, but now we need to see how things go after this. Great. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling. We now need to call it a day on this program. Um, Thank you both, as always. I think I'm on the next program, but I'm not sure. Um, January 2nd. It'll be the new year. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.